Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we have our week in review and our coin of the day. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, August 20th, 2021. I have not much to ramble about this, you know, beginning of the episode. Like I usually ramble right here and tell you some things about my day. I have nothing to say. So we should just hop into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 1045 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at Yowzers, $48,433, up 6.8% in 24. Ethereum, $3,295, up 8.1%. Cardano, all-time high, it looks like, at $2.56, up 21.3%. Binance Coin, $445.72, up 5.8%. And Tether, number five spot, $1. Running off the top 10, we have XRP, Dogecoin, Polkadot, USDC, and Solana. Total market cap, we are above $2 trillion. We're at $2.06 trillion in a BTC dominance of 43.5% and an F dominance of 18.5%. Now it's time for Coin of the Day. Our coin of the day today is not safe for work and not kid-friendly. So if you're in an office where HR can hear you or if you're in a car with your kids, maybe just skip coin of the day today. Because today, coin of the day is Porn Rocket. Porn Rocket. It is trending on CoinMarketCap, and it's ranked 2,726. But it has a market cap of $106 million and a fully diluted market cap of about $250 million a volume of $3.2 million in 24 hours. Max supply of this coin is about one, I think that's trillion, that's billion, trillion, quadrillion, I think 100 quadrillion, I have no clue. There's, how many zeros is that? That's three, six, nine, 12, 15 zeros. I don't know what that is, but there's no total supply um, and there's no circulating supply. But there's a self-reported circulating supply apparently of 425 billion coins? It's just, I don't know. Uh, This is giving me red flags, by the way. All kinds of red flags. So what is Porn Rocket? I am going to tell you. We proudly position ourselves, they say, firmly between Pornhub and OnlyFans. We bring the best of both platforms and merge them together to create the ultimate personal adult experience. Our bespoke platform application with endless benefits for both content creators and fans alike is the reason we visualize Porn Rocket as being the biggest name in the adult entertainment industry in the near future. They are trading on PancakeSwap, LBank, BitMart, Hotbit, and ZT. And this might be a good time to look into some alternative because OnlyFans has reported that they are going to start banning adult content. I think that's exactly what they're known for. It's kind of like Tumblr back in the day. 
It was only known for adult content. Like, does anybody use Tumblr anymore? Will anybody use OnlyFans anymore? That is very interesting. Well, let's look at the porn map of Porn Rocket. They have a map of how they're going to develop, and this is also very interesting. Porn Rocket has a 10-step porn map, and this is the, the steps. The first step is foreplay. This is conceptualization. This is a smart launch. Lock liquidity and ownership announced. Step two is missionary. Market drive initiated. Listed on CoinMarketCap, CoinGecko listing submitted, and creation of new marketing material. This is the step that they're up to, by the way. All the other steps are forthcoming. Number three is Cowgirls Helper, where they're going to bring an NFT porn pad marketplace to fruition. Number four is Stand and Deliver, where they're going to airdrop porn rocket to hodlers. Number five is Cross Booty, where they're going to have a collaboration with two big-name porn stars. Number six is Golden Arch, Porn Rocket Platform and App Launch Party. Number seven is Seated Wheelbarrow. (laughs) I'm going to have to Google that later. (laughs) Introduction of a full video call functionality. Number eight is The Good X. The release of Porn Rocket branded merchandise. Number nine is Woman Astride. A reach of 100,000 content creators. And number 10 is Climax, Porn Rocket Team Doxing, and much more to come. Um, That means Porn Rocket is anonymous right now? That's absolutely... Let me see here. There's a meet the team here. One second. There is a meet the team. The team were anonymous for the meantime. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to call this a bunch of BS, um, but if you want to check out more about Porn Rocket, please, link is in the show notes. And again, now you can turn it back on to HR and your kids can come back in the car. Now to our week in review with Mr. Scott Cipollina. Scott Cipollina, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Matthew. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. This is our week in review, as always. It's been a kind of weird week. Not much happening in, well, actually... Let me take that back. A lot of things been happening in crypto, but it's been dwarfed by what's happening around the world. And um, the world news is now kind of leaking into the crypto space. And it's been very interesting or even, I don't know, confusing to cover. And one thing that I, I, I saw off the bat was the Afghanistan withdrawal of the U.S. troops and the crypto memes or the crypto re- space reaction to all of that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that because honestly i covered it early in the week and uh, the listeners could have forgotten about it but i was a little surprised and a little bit appalled yeah appalled is the right word um essentially what what happened was i mean bitcoin advocates around social media and the internet more generally they they started weighing in on afghanistan and basically making the collective claim that widespread adoption of bitcoin would benefit afghans uh some went as far as to say that Bitcoin is Afghanistan's best hope. Um, and they all said this seriously, as far as I could see. And it's just, you know, the, the way that I actually had a discussion about this earlier in the week as well, and I think the best way to, to have this discussion is to distinguish between the humanitarian and national security risks that, we, that we're expecting, frankly, um, in Afghanistan, some of which are obviously already materializing. Uh, in terms of the humanitarian costs and issues, um, we're talking about you know, Afghans losing basic human freedoms here. Um, the ability to even listen to music, to get an education, to read books, um, the internet, which obviously Bitcoin is entirely dependent on. Those things are all going to be coming into question under a Taliban government. You know, I think it's pretty straightforward to point out that Bitcoin couldn't really be further from the collective psyche of people that are currently living 
uh, with the prospect of a Taliban government. But then when we're talking about national security, you know, the, the, the threats that are going to ensue from a Taliban government, again, those, there's no, there's, at least from my perspective, there's no necessary, you know, there's no evidence whatsoever, really, that Bitcoin could help address any of those national security threats. So, for example, we're discussing the, or we have all been discussing what has generally been perceived to be a hasty withdrawal process on behalf of the Biden government. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about poor morale within the Afghan military service and in terms of, you know, well, going back to the Doha agreement, which was signed under the previous administration. Um, these things, as I said, that there's no evidence to suggest that Bitcoin could provide a solution to any of these things or could have provided a solution to them in retrospect. The only thing I think that, that we could discuss as a potential argument is that there has been well-documented um, evidence of widespread systemic corruption within Afghanistan for years now. And if you're of the view that Bitcoin, by virtue of the fact that it functions on a blockchain and a public ledger, if you believe that that kind of technology can beat back against corruption, then perhaps you have an argument. But again, that's something that isn't necessarily self-evident, right? We'd have to discuss that and, and weigh the arguments pro and, pro and against that kind of claim. Generally, a lot of the things that we saw as well were just in bad taste. I mean, I remember what, seeing one particular tweet, and I'm sure everybody can recall the horrific footage we saw of Afghans trying to cling on to the outside of American military aircraft. Some people actually tragically fell to their death when the plane took off and they were still holding on to the plane itself. And there was a there was a, a caption on one of these tweets that just simply said, "No coiners after Bitcoin crosses to a hundred thousand dollars," which it's you know, oh, yes, that was that's Max. obviously in bad. That's yeah. a, that was Max Kaiser's uh, tweet. If we all recall, Max Kaiser is the one. He was at the Bitcoin conference in Miami, and he started saying "F Elon Musk." F Elon Musk because he tweeted something in Bitcoin and he's been pretty much off the rails uh, ever since. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, as I said, that, that tweet of his, it got criticized for being in bad taste. And, you know, frankly, it's just not surprising. Um, there's been, yeah, I mean, obviously we, we can, we can, I suppose, distinguish between some of those things, which, as I said, again, we're in bad taste. And, and then maybe some of the more serious discussions that some people um, can have about whether or not cryptocurrency can help Afghans in terms of, you know, living in a country that perhaps if you were to accept the premise um, would experience less corruption. But again, that's something that we'd have to evidence that's not necessarily obvious. Exactly. Exactly. And we're talking about corruption and we're not we're not talking about religious religion or ideology or belief systems. And if you are, you know, under a Sharia, a Sharia law, it's a belief system that money would not change. It would just fall into that belief system and be used accordingly. So corruption um, and like the different monetary system would not have much to do with it. And I think that um, who wrote that? I think it was uh, Jeff Benson, a uh, writer from yeah. Decrypt. Uh, he, he said that, you know, there's a couple People look at situations through their own lenses, and that's religion or ideology or culture or even regional, uh, even from like a trade that, you know, you're if you're a, a truck driver, you look at the world through a truck driving lens because that's how you see the world. And now that we're looking at uh, the world through a Bitcoin lens, um, I think that we also and I think every lens. And once you do that, you have, you know, you get myopic when you come to your opinions. And I think that the Bitcoin space, especially right now, since we are trying to show the legitimacy of this technology, of Bitcoin, of DeFi, of these things. We have to be a little careful of, of, of what not to get so myopic with our um, opinions or the way that we look at the world um, and allow other people to come into it or else we're gonna just going to allow people to 
I don't know, feel just feel uncomfortable or, you know, scare people off or discredit the whole industry as what, what the hell are these guys doing over there? <laughs> there are rational people over here. It's just the under, irrational ones are the ones that want the shock value or the ones that are out there just you no know, shouting and screaming with these uh, crazy memes. But I want to uh, move over, move on a little bit. Because, again, this has been an interesting week when it comes to everything. And, you know, Gensler, Gary Gensler, the chair of the SEC, is on a rampage, to be honest with you, about talking about crypto. He has not been this active with the crypto space or with DeFi or with regulations or with um, just, you know, open talk about the space uh, ever since he got in, got the job. Can you just fill us in? How was this week with Mr. Gensler? Yeah, well, I think the latest thing that that, that, uh, Gary Gensler has said is that Without regulation, the crypto industry won't reach its full potential. I suppose it's an interesting segue to go into if we consider all the things he said previous to that, which are, you know, I'll just sort of like skim over some of the most important claims that he's made recently. You know, broadly speaking, the crypto industry needs um, better consumer protection laws. Uh, Bitcoin and many other cryptocurrencies are speculative assets. They don't actually necessarily satisfy the definition of money. Cryptocurrency can also facilitate crime. Uh, he also mentioned, broadly speaking, again, that in the DeFi industry, we could be seeing a lot of unregistered securities being sold. Those are some of the biggest talking points that he's mentioned over the last couple of weeks or so, uh, perhaps even further back as well, frankly. And then again, going back to what he said most recently, that uh, the cryptocurrency industry won't reach its potential by staying outside of you know, the, the regulatory sphere of the SEC. I think that you know, the reason why that last latest statement is interesting is because it, it seems to imply, not to put words into Gary Gensler's mouth myself, but it seems to imply as though the perspective is not one of we don't like the crypto industry de facto and we want to regulate it out of existence. It's more a case of the purpose and the intention here is to protect consumers, to prevent financial crime, all the things that regulators should be doing. Within that broader framework, if we discover an industry that can then flourish, then that's all well and good. It's not that Gary Gensler necessarily wants to regulate the crypto industry out of existence, which I'm sure has been a, a critique that has been leveled uh, to him thousands and thousands of times already on social media. Um, that's my interpretation of it, of course. I agree with your point, by the way. I think that what he's trying to do is protect consumers and help the industry grow. And the only way you can t- you can talk about that, and I think that people get sensitive with the word, word regulation, and that's why I try to use the word framework a little bit more. But when you say regulation, people see restriction, people see the mm-hmm. government coming down, people see it, it has a lot of connotation. So I like to use the word framework. And I think uh, Gary Gensler is trying to make a framework. I, I do think that we need regulation. And I think that we will be able to see the full potential once we get that regulation. Yes, sure. There's going to be bumps in the road. Yes, yeah, sure. Maybe your your current meme coin will not be traded in the US or in the UK or whatever. Yes, yeah, sure. Maybe your favorite uh, DEX or um, is some whatever food swap exchange is going to be shut down. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. You know, I, th- those are the bumps in the roads that, you know, honestly, might, could be a good thing because I would love to see mm-hmm. those food swaps, you know, be. Uh, you know, trans more transparent, or you know, uh, falling under the regulations of a certain country or di- or entities or or district or 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 international even law uh, to help them grow, and we are seeing that daily because we are seeing hacks, we are seeing people get you know rug pulled, we are seeing like let's just talk about last week the Poly Network hack, six hundred million dollars because somebody could, and the thing is with this, and before I go into the the re- most recent hack, is there's no protections. For the consumer, you can't sue anybody. They have no money back up to to uh, reimburse you. They have no insurance plans. Like you said last week, the insurance market for the crypto space is a 
industry that really needs to grow because damn, they can make a crap ton of money just by insuring cryptocurrency and getting people on board with that. Um, but now, just yesterday, we had the liquid exchange hack from Japan. They lost $85 million. Is there any uh, news on that? I, we know that they're hacked. We know that they're looking into it. But are they going to make people whole? Uh, do we know any more developments from that? Well, I mean, just to just to carry on from what you said at the beginning there, that um, you know, obviously the Poly Network hack has done, I suppose, quite you know, quite significant damage to the reputation of decentralized finance and to segue from from discussing regulation. You know, I absolutely agree that the industry needs needs better consumer protection. And you know, if we're being honest here, we can you know, people in the crypto industry can talk about the, the promise of decentralization and and the you know the freedom and liberty that it affords people until we're blue in the face. But the fact of the matter is, most investors, most people that are you know operating outside the crypto industry today, want consumer protection. They don't want to operate in you know for want of a better term, some sort of wild west market where if there is a mistake on their behalf or even on the behalf of the the provider in terms of a hack like we've seen with the Poly Network and also Liquid. We we people don't want to live in an environment where there are no solutions to that kind of thing happening. Um, but then, yeah, talking about the the liquid hack, this you know followed the Poly Network hack. We're talking about um, eighty five million dollars of the equivalent of about eighty five million dollars. Um, about eleven million of that has been sent to three other wallets so far. The liquid team rather put out a tweet. They mentioned you know sorry to announce that the uh, the warm wallets were compromised and that they were moving assets to the cold wallet. Obviously, we saw, um, you know, with the, with, the, with the Poly Network hack, we saw that the uh, hacker essentially returned all the stolen funds. It still remains to be seen whether or not this is going to happen with the Liquid hacker. But again, it just points to some of the concerns that we've seen with hacks generally in the crypto space, that there doesn't seem to be a very robust set of circumstances or set of tools that the crypto industry has to deal with hacks. And when they happen, it's almost as though you get the feel that, you know, teams are at the mercy of the hackers and we just sort of hope that they turn out to be nice enough to actually return right. stolen funds. And that, that I don't think is sustainable. The, benev the benevolent hacker. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> the, all the, the white hat hackers amongst us. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, moving into a couple of my favorite exchanges right now. And these are some, this is some big news and I just want to cover this quickly, but Robinhood and I love Robinhood. I love their business model. I love that the fact that they're opening stock buying or crypto buying up to uh, to the retail investor. I think this is an excellent business model. However, their Q2 reports were, I would say, makes me skeptical, sad. Um, <laughs> it makes me wonder because I, I want to juxtapose this to Coinbase because Coinbase's Q2 reports was, they, they, it was, it was fantastic. They made $1.6 billion in profit off of $2 billion of revenue. What the hell? What the hell? That is absolutely astonishing. Astonishing. At the same token, you have Robinhood in their Q2 report losing a half billion dollars and only making a half billion dollars. And a lot of the revenue came from the crypto space. Scott, what is going on with that? And how do you feel about that? Yeah, um, it's interesting to, you know, to, to compare these, these figures with Coinbase. Um, so if we look, if we look at Robinhood's revenue um, in the second quarter, it grew by, I think you, you maybe mentioned this already, but just 565 million, which was a, it was a big increase, um, over 130% um, for the same quarter the year before. And cryptocurrencies have become more and more central to that revenue. Robinhood said that 60% of customers traded in crypto in the last quarter. 
Um, but then again, as you mentioned, if you, if you compare that to Coinbase, those numbers seem relatively modest. As you mentioned, Coinbase had posted a record profit of 106, uh, 1.6 billion. Yes, I beg your pardon. And um, they're also expanding. Uh, they're going to be launching a crypto exchange in Japan in partnership with the Mitsubishi UFJ Financial Group. And Coinbase is also adding 500 million of crypto to its balance sheet. So there's a lot of exciting numbers that are going around Coinbase right now, uh, which I suppose, you know, Robinhood is a bit of a, a victim of comparison there. When you look at those numbers and you revert back to Robinhood's numbers, they, they certainly look um, a little bit more modern, a little bit more modest. And in, in recent quarters as well for Robinhood, it's important to point out the role that Dogecoin has played. And they, you know, it seems as though their revenue is, is very reliant on Dogecoin. And um, that's something that, you know, it, from my perspective, that isn't necessarily something that is uh, secure. Do Dogecoin is sort of still a bit of a meme coin and it, it's, it's reliant on the fluctuations of the market. In the next quarter, there's no necessary evidence as to whether or not Dogecoin adoption is going to go up or down. Um, and it would be interesting to see how Robinhood handles that if it goes the wrong way. Agreed. Get <laughs> <laughs> me on edge there. <laughs> Scott Chivalina, thank you very much for this uh, week in review. Um, I hope to see some more uh, Decrypt writers next week. But if not, I will see you next week, my friend, because I always have a good time talking to you and catching up. And if you guys don't know, send Scott, send Scott some flowers because he's moving into a new flat. You know, brighten up his place <laughs> and he's moving into central London. So they can send them to you and then you can send them to me. I'll give you my address. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. All right, man. You have a great one. Brilliant. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. Don't forget to go to DiemerForCongress.com, D-I-E-M-E-R for Congress.com and donate to the campaign. Throw some cash my way so I can continue to fight the good fight. And when I get to Congress, I promise you, campaign finance reform because campaign finances are absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous. The amount of money just to get into office is absurd. It should be illegal. Honestly, it should be criminal. Also, don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. And until the weekend updates, happy hodling, everyone. <laughs>